Electricast. With the Baker's Plus Card, it's easy to get lower than low prices for the win. Earn fuel points on every purchase and save up to a dollar a gallon at the pump. The Baker's Plus Card. All you do is win. Big, big savings. Sign up now at bakersplus.com and start saving. Baker's. Fresh for everyone. Savings may vary by state. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your favorites with the buy five or more, save a dollar each sale. Simply buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with your card. Baker's. Fresh for everyone. Hello, and welcome to the Social Psychic Radio Show, featuring Jason Zook. In uncertain times, we must change our focus and priorities. This show will highlight social justice issues with the goal of expanding minds and increasing unity, love, and mutual respect for ourselves and our planet. We support the Black Lives Matter movement, Our show aspires to promote social spirituality, which simply means that by coming together, we can solve any of our problems, including the goal of bringing an end to all forms of hate, discrimination, bias, or oppression. We must protect our environment, reform our criminal justice system, and protect every citizen from police brutality. When we come together, it becomes possible to bridge the gaps that plague our society and divide us from within. We the people means everyone. Hello and welcome to the Social Psychic Radio Show. This is Jason Zook. It's a great pleasure I have the opportunity of presenting special guest Sean Tyler Foley to the show today. Sean is an accomplished film and stage performer, and he's been acting in film and television since he was six years old after his father passed away suddenly in a motor vehicle accident. Sean has appeared in productions including Freddy vs. Jason, Door to Door, Carrie, and the musical Ragtime. Tyler is passionate about helping others confidentially take the stage and impact an audience with their own stories. He's currently the managing director of Total Buy-In and author of the number one best-selling book, The Power to Speak Naked. Tyler is a father, husband, son, and performer in that order. Some days he feels like he's dabbled in every industry on the planet from oil and gas to aviation to film and television, but that diverse experience is what has made him so versatile. Regardless of the industry or the titles he's held, what they all had in common was promoting and encouraging people to be heard and understood. The skills and resources he has garnered along the way have enabled him to become an entertaining professional speaker and a knowledgeable trainer who inspires others to reach for their dreams. With his distinct and direct style, Tyler is emerging as one of North America's sought after leaders in the field of public speaking for personal and professional development and discuss lessons learned because of what he does so well in his life with us. I am pleased to have Tyler on the show today. Welcome to the show, Tyler. Oh, Jason, I've been excited for this since our first conversation way back, way back. So I am I am excited to see what we can do to help serve your audience. I, you're already here, and that's showing up, right? Starting out, I just think it's it's with gratitude that I tell you. I know we were off the uh, we didn't record yet when I was thanking you for just the method and looking at the way you empower others with your message, and I I, I appreciate that. I think if we have more message like more messages like yours of empowerment and positivity, I feel like the world would be a much better place for everybody. Well, and on top of you know encouraging people to to be positive and, and just encourage them to find themselves. I think uh, one of the other things that I talk about is 
encouraging people to share their stories. And I think too many people feel a sense of insignificance that I don't feel is deserved. Um, I think we all have something to share and contribute to the world. I think that is one of the main tenets of being a human is contributing and giving back. And one of those things is to share our stories, share our experiences. So if I can empower people to do that, then I will feel that my life has had meaning. So let's get to it. Here's my question to you. Looking at all the roles that you've had, all the hats that you've worn, what's been your favorite role and why? Father. Okay. Hands down. And, and very simply because everything that I've done in my life up until now has been a training ground so that I can provide my daughter with the best that I'm able to. You know, like even understanding, it's funny that we discussed it today. She had an audition today and she didn't want to do it. She said, daddy, that's boring. I don't like doing it. And the stage dad in me was like, oh, but sweetie, you got to do this. Because if you say no to auditions, they're not going to ask you to audition again. But the everything else that I've done in my life said, no, Tyler, listen to what she's saying and ask why. So I did what I preach and I got the curiosity of a five-year-old and I asked her, I said, well, well, why? Why don't you want to do it? Well, it's boring. Okay, but why is it boring? Well, because we used to go and we'd get dressed up and we'd go to a room and I could see the people and I could meet with my friends and we could, and I could, and I could be in front of the camera. She says, but now we just go down into the basement and I stand in front of your computer. And so she, what it is, is that she doesn't like the self tape. She doesn't like, she liked the process of going to a room and auditioning and, and being able to do something. I think she also liked not having me there. Like to be able to do it. Cause now I'm her reader. I'm her casting director. I'm her <laughs> videographer. I'm and her dad. <laughs> I, but, and exactly. And on top of it, I'm dad. So I don't think she enjoyed it anymore. So I was able to formulate a really good response to her agent, who is also my agent, and say, I don't think Kenzie wants to go out until we can get back into an audition room. Any self-tape requests, she won't be interested in. She doesn't want to do it anymore. Um, this isn't a forever thing, but right now, like she was like, I was like, well, if I say no to this, then we're going to have to say no to everything else. And then you won't be on set anymore. She goes, I don't care. Like, All right. You know, Clarity. <laughs> yeah. Well, she's <laughs> in the book I dedicated to her. I said that I wanted her to always have the, uh, the ability to feel that her voice would be heard and that, uh, that she would know that she could, she could always speak up. I think the dedication reads to my daughter. May you always have the courage to speak up for what you believe in and the confidence that your voice will be heard. So if you're going to say that in print in a worldwide mm -hmm. publication, you better be prepared for the consequences of when your daughter <laughs> speaks up and gives you her opinion and wants to be heard because you've done your job as a father, apparently and uh, instilled her with the ability to do it. But I was, it was a, an interesting moment this morning to, to have that conversation because the performer in me, somebody who's been on film and stage and television for 35 years was like, no, 
you don't understand the opportunity that you're missing. This is a <laughs> massive project with some great producers and you don't even know, but she's six and she doesn't need to care and she doesn't want to do it. I, I'm not certainly not going to force her. I don't want her to be doing something that she doesn't want. I want her to be doing the things that she does want. So how does that compare to your experience as a child actor at age six yourself? Uh, vastly different there. You couldn't keep me off the stage. If I had an audition, I was, I was, I was memorizing my lines like that day, you know, and I was, I was working on it and I was helped and I was workshopping and I, my mom, I think got, my mom would have had the opposite reaction to what I have had because I think my mom didn't really like having to do all the audition stuff. I ended up working with, um, my teacher would read the lines for me a lot. And then um, my uncle was actually really into uh, performance. And so he would help out a lot as well. And I'd, I'd get feedback there and kind of take the pressure off my mom. But yeah, my mom was like, if it makes him happy, let him do it. But I don't understand it. And uh, yeah, I, I would have jumped up and down all over it. So Kenzie and I are vastly different in what we want to do at six years old but we've also had vastly different experiences and it's the summertime. Like, let's be honest, Jason, it's, you know, beautiful weather outside and she wanted to go to the zoo today and we promised her that she could go. And I wasn't about to be the, <laughs> well, you can't go to the zoo if you don't do your audition person. Cause she genuinely didn't want to do the audition. So I was like, you know what? Beautiful day. It's the zoo. I'm going to tell your agent that you just won't be auditioning for at least six months and we'll take a break. <laughs> it, How does it, Broke my heart, but it's what had to be done. Oh, how, how was it for you as a child to lose your dad in an accident? And how did that impact your spiritual journey? Oh, uh, greatly. Um, first of all, it, it was a hard thing to process at six because, you know, you can, you can be explained the finality of death, but it's not a thing that really sinks in for a while right? Like it's just, it's too hard to process that at that young an age, but at the same, and, and from, you know, a church spirituality sense, it was interesting because my mom pretty much abandoned the church after February 10th, 1986. We used to be regular attendees. We'd go every Sunday, <laughs> First joke I ever told, first time I ever got a laugh, I was three years old in church and I was repeating a joke that I'd heard the night before at a party. I probably shouldn't have repeated. <laughs> and uh, the pastor Bowie though, man, he was, he was good with it. He, he took it in stride as a good pastor would. But after my dad passed away, I didn't see the ins I said that we were at, we were there for my dad's uh, memorial. And then that was the last time I saw the inside of that church ever with my family. And, uh, but interestingly enough, from a spirituality standpoint and an understanding of a connection with a higher power, um, with how I view the world and how it works, I think it actually strengthened it because I've had too many instances where I've felt my father's presence that couldn't be explained any other way than divine influence. Yes. That it has, I think, deepened my spiritual understanding 
and my relationship with God and the universe and, and everything that that means to me. Um, so I'm sure it also forces your role as a father now. Well, and yeah, and as much and as a role, especially as a, as a father now, because I am painfully aware of how fleeting my time with my daughter is. Um, both in that my life could be extinguished at any moment and I don't know when that is. And so every moment is definitely precious to me. Yeah, the moments with her are precious because we are changing and evolving on a daily basis. It's we're on vacation right now. And we I we were just we were just out of town in a hotel room. And so all three of us were sleeping in this massive king size bed. And she my daughter was sleeping between me and my wife. And at one point early in the morning, I was already awake. She just kind of rolled into me and nestled in. She was having a, a nightmare and she was kind of crying and whimpering. And I just kind of, she rolled into me and I just held her hand and she held it back. And I remember thinking, you know, I don't know how much longer she's going to do this or how long, much longer this is even an appropriate thing, you know, and I've got to take this moment and just treasure it right now. And I remember lying there, you know, this less than 24 hours ago and just being in awe of the ability to, to be that connected with her and right now be her comfort, right? Because it can't, it will change. We, we, my wife and I laugh about it because she's already getting the attitude. She's already telling me what she wants. There's going to be a point where she's 14 or 16 and I am the last person on the world who she wants to go to for advice or comfort or anything. So the fact that I still have it now is a thing that I need to, to treasure every opportunity that I get. I'll tell you this. I don't know if you, I, I get premonitions as I'm talking to people and I had a vision of you literally walking her down the aisle. So I see you sticking around for quite some time. You don't have to worry about that time being that limited because I feel like you'll have many opportunities to treasure well, that's good because I've taken a whole bunch of video of me and her dancing so that I can play it at her <laughs> wedding. play so at the I wedding. Exactly. Oh, you have many dances to record still. So it's good. <laughs> I know people worry about that on occasion, especially if you lose a parent at an early age. I think sometimes the thought process as a father, when you lose a father possibly is, well, will I be here for my daughter the way that I would want to be? And the answer to that is yes. I feel from our conversation, just talk about it. But it's positive because you have so many good things you're doing and the universe rewards you for that. And I feel like that that's why, you know, you're meant to do what you're doing and you're on the path of what you're on right now to become what you're going to do going next. Well, and I appreciate you saying it uh, and all signs indicate that you're correct. I mean, there is a definite flow in my life right now that, um, hasn't been there always. Um, and when it's there, I, then again, the gifts that I've been given over, uh, my lifetime is the ability to recognize that energy and, uh, and what it looks like and when it's present and when it's not. And not that it's never not present. The funny thing is, is that there's always an energy in our life that's propelling us towards our destiny, whatever that happens to be. It is omnipresent. It's just sometimes we're not conscious of it or sometimes we try to fight against it. And I know all the times that I fought the flow uh, I have been definite lessons in my life not to. And, uh, and right now I can definitely say that I am, I am fully in state and doing what I am supposed to be doing because, uh, just the, 
the rapid acceleration that I can feel in all things in my life, even the right down to the fact that today I can, without losing my temper or get frustrated, have Kenzie walk away from her audition and be like, well, that's just how it's going to be. Because I can tell you, there would have been a time where that was not going to be the case for me. I'd have been like, no, you've got to do this. You've got to do this. We've made you know, an agreement and a commitment. You know, I think it's positive about that right now. You're showing her that you will um, enable her to make adult decisions as a child and you're reinforcing that. And so by you being selective right now, she's going to get a better role later. And it's not going to matter what she didn't do right now, because I feel like that's going to be irrelevant by the time you get to the point of her being ready to go back in person and do the things she likes to do. Cause it's exciting for her to get out of the house and see new people and be in front of certain things. I feel like, I think she gets excited with new opportunities. The road well, have- bores her or something. Yeah. And she'll have lots of opportunities to do all kinds of things. The school that we've just enrolled her in is <laughs> one of the best in the country statistically. <laughs> and, uh, they, they do a great job of encouraging all kinds of creativity. And, you know, I secretly, do I want her to be in the performing arts? Absolutely. She's <laughs> like And she's just, you know, she's so good at it, but that doesn't mean that it's something that she enjoys. If she wants to do whatever she wants to do, you know, play <laughs> piano or draw, do her paintings. I mean, I'm looking right now, as I look up the stairway, Jason, I've got, three paintings that she's done that you would think were my wife, but they're her. They're my daughters <laughs> and they're, they're phenomenal. She's six years old. She just turned six two days ago. <laughs> happy birthday. <laughs> yeah. Happy birthday. And so, you know, like I, I don't know what is in store for her career wise, vocationally or hobby, but, um, I, I'm excited to see it evolve. And all I can do is provide her with the opportunities to be exposed to the things that she wants. And one of those things was being on being in film. And if right now she doesn't like auditioning in my basement, I don't blame her. I'm not a particular fan of it either, but I can rationalize it out because daddy still books work. <laughs> so when, when you're just talking, I, I, I write down my own little things I like to write. As you're talking, I tune into your energy. And two things I got, the word production company. It's either you're going to be connected to a production company with her with a gig, or she's going to have her own production company that takes an interest in her. And that in 2022, she's going to expand to another agent or some other agency. And eventually, there'll be something with Nickelodeon or Nick in it, the title Nick, like, you know, Nickelodeon, that brand. She's going to have something with that as well around the That'd agent. That'd be awesome. That would, that would make my... Uh... I, I definitely make me my dreams through her come true. So hopefully they are well, dreams she's got the she potential and we can push forward. You know, you know how it goes like, you know, the parents go so far and then they propel their kids that much further and the kids propel. I feel like you're going to propel her that much further, even though you're still going to have your own successes. She's going to in her own right achieve her. Yeah, own I, I want to be the equivalent to her as Haley Joel Osment's father was to him. You know, he had great success. His dad was an actor, but he was a day player. Didn't, you know, just kind of dabbled where I, you know, and then he went on Sixth Sense and everything else. So I would love coach too. Or you're, I don't know if you're her acting coach or she's going to have someone else that comes in from the outside as an acting coach that's going to work with her in the fall. Right now uh, I'm her, but we'll probably get some outside influence. So it's good to get the, uh, the premonition that it'll happen. That's what I see. I see acting coaches and our acting coach and I see you working on this new agency relationship for her next year, something next summer. Just yeah. a, a little side note <laughs> while we're talking it. about the other stuff, right? Uh, <laughs> I, I'd like to have you share with our audience the power 
to speak naked. What what prompted you to write your book and what was the best part of doing this project for yourself? Uh, the best part of doing the project was the feeling of accomplishment when it was done. <laughs> like that, that has been cool. Getting to promote a book with my name on the cover, uh, the fact that I will be able to walk into a brick and mortar store in September and see it on a shelf is, uh, is awesome. And what prompted to do it was the fact that I had so many people that would come up to me and ask, how do you do what you do? And what they were asking really was, how is it that you get up on stage and just, you know, perform, do what it, you know, give zero cares to what anybody thinks really. And, and I said, well, that's actually because I, I'm not too worried what people think. I'm more concerned about serving the people. So I'm not, I'm not caught up in, well, what do they think about this? And more specifically of how can I be of service? How can I be the best me and show up? and give the most of me to them. And then what they take away from that is, is, is up to them. But showing up every time, doing the best that I can to deliver to that audience and serve their needs has been uh, uh, a thing that's been instilled in me since six years old, right? Like when you're an actor, you're given other people's words to say. But you're always encouraged to make it sound as natural as possible. And the only way to do that is to take those words. You have to say this sentence, but there's no guidance in how to say it, where the inflection comes, what tone you use, the power behind it, the emotion behind it. You know, I could get the line, I'm fine, and say it a thousand different ways. And you and I both know one, you know, how you doing? Well, I'm fine versus <laughs> I'm fine. Same line. Way different. I can I can make it however I want. And so when it came to speaking on stage, I've just used that with my own words now that I get I get to impart the message, right? I get to control it. And my concern is making sure that I that I bring the best of me to the role of playing me. So that my audience gets the greatest impact. And when I make that my concern, then I don't care about the rest of it. And then it becomes real easy. So with so many people asking me, how do you do what you do? And I would constantly give the same advice over and over and over again. And uh, when we were doing, I was putting together a training course. And somebody had come to me and they're like, well, you should really make this a book. I'm like, I don't have time to write the book. And they go, well, you don't have to write it. It's just like, how many, how many of these training sessions have you done? And I'm like, God, it's got to be over a hundred now. Well, and do you record everyone? Oh yeah. Because you know, film and TV, this face loves the camera. So I record everything because it's just helpful for me again, from a content perspective for me to, to go back and analyze what hit, what didn't, so that I can make it better each time for my audience. So I'm always recording it. And so this wonderful woman, who shall rename, nay, remain anonymous, um, had said to me, well, why don't you just transcribe everything from your videos and then see what the common themes are and then put that into the book? And I went, huh, 
that seems like a real easy thing to do. Sure. <laughs> Let's do that. And so the funny thing is, is when I, I read the book, it's a little cringy for me because how I write and I, I do a lot of professional writing. Um, you know, I have an engineering background. I use, I do a lot of health and safety consulting still. So I write professional papers and reports a lot. And I like to think that I sound very smart <laughs> when I write, but how I speak, I think I speak intelligently, but when you have that transcribed and you can see where you stumble on words and oh, yeah. your ums and ahs, <laughs> when I actually read it out, I was like, Ooh, I don't sound as smart <laughs> on paper as I sound in my head. But the funny thing is, is because it is literally in my voice, the people who have read the book have all said how refreshing it is that it just, it just reads. It literally is like going to one of my seminars. And that's one of the most rewarding yeah. things that I can get out of the book because people literally get my voice when they read the book. Well, and I think one of your strengths is your artistic expression, how you, how you categorize ideas, how you conceptualize ideas, and then how you, you deliver it to the audience. When I went through the method, I told you I was entertained, you're entertained as you're learning these five steps. And so it, you, you can feel the, the enjoyment, the enthusiasm, I should say, your passion is, is, is very clear in your word choices. And it's very clear in your examples and how straightforward you are when you tell people, you know what, close your eyes, visualize. Yeah. Or, you know, and we'll go through those five steps in a minute if that's something that you do usually on these or not. But I, 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 it's, it's there. I'll just say to my audience, the method's there. It's going to be in the show notes. I got it delivered to me uh, this afternoon, I looked at it for the show to prepare and I was very pleased with the product I got for a free product to offer just by giving your email address, which I would have volunteered anyway. But I'm looking at this thing. I'm like, this is, this is cool. I, I like this. Like, you know, what prompted you to create the method? Uh, honestly, it was a push from my funnel guy. He was like, we need to give, you know, something for an opt-in. And he said, what could you provide? And I went, oh, well, you know, we got the training videos. He's like, no, no, no. You, you've put a lot of time into those training videos. He's like, how much did it cost you to get those done? And I'm like, well, <laughs> low five figures. He's like, exactly. You put production value into it. Because again, from a performance standpoint, I know good quality video. I know good quality sound. I know editing. And I want, I want to give to my audience. So he's like, you have to charge for those. I was like, oh, okay. Well, we got the book. We could just give him the book. He's like, your publisher will probably be mad if you start giving that away for free. I'm like, well, I don't know. And he, and so in working with Michael, who's my funnel guy, he, uh, he said, well, what, what are your, what are the main things that you would want people to know when it comes to public speaking? I was like, oh, that's easy. There's these five things. If they can just do these five things, it would be easy. He's like, well, then that's, that's what we'll do. Let's, let's make it, we'll call it the method, you know? I think officially it's the the Sean Tyler Foley method, you know, five insider secrets. But um, <coughs> you know, the method for short, because uh, that's how I'm going to reference it, how you'll reference it. And it just it it was such an easy thing to just spit out because you know if I could distill everything down, like if I could just give people those five tips, I think it would make it so much easier. And then we had seven insider tips and nine ways to hook an audience. And, you know, those are all extra bonuses that I wanted because I just want to give stuff away. My, 
from a, a business perspective, I'm probably not all that good because I just want to give it all away. I just care, just have it. I just want, just want to help you do it. But um, luckily I have much more fiscally responsible people <laughs> back. You, yeah, you need that. You gotta have a cake. Yeah. What do you, out of all the roles that you've done, what was your favorite that you, in film that you found that you were like most inspired by in your involvement? Um, so my favorite that I've done was not necessarily that I was inspired by the role, but I was inspired by the project. And that was um, doing door-to-door with William H. Macy and Helen Mirren. Um, first of all, door-to-door is a phenomenal story of hope and resilience and overcoming adversity. Uh, I, would, I would recommend anybody in your audience to go check it out. And then on top of it, I got to work with some phenomenal actors. Like I, It wasn't like I was in a show and Bill and Helen were there, right? I did a scene with Bill and Helen. In fact, when Helen got her Golden Globe um, that year for Door to Door, Best Supporting Actress, the clip that they played at the Golden Globes was the scene between the three of us in the diner. And that just, I was, I was so cool to be included with that and that project. Um, it was also the, the most like an actor that I felt like as a star. I've been a day player for years, right? 35 years I've been, uh, well, 35 years I've been performing, probably 30 years in film and TV. And I've just, I've always been that, you know, somebody number one, right? Cop number one, student number (laughs) one, bully number one, frat boy number one. I've always had a number behind my name. There's very few roles where I've actually had a named character. And even when I've had a named character, it's been a very tertiary role that you could remove it and it wouldn't affect the plot in any way. And this role wasn't much different. Like you take away the bully in the diner scene and um, the, the show would have still gone on. But it was the first time I got a double wide trailer. Um, I remember getting the put. I always knew that I'd made it as an actor on a on a set because I'd get the puffy jacket. It could be ninety five degrees outside, <laughs> Fahrenheit or Celsius, and they would give you this puffy down jacket to keep warm, just in case you were cold. <laughs> cold, hun. Here you go. Here's your jacket. And it can, they do it a lot of times to keep stuff off of your wardrobe. So wardrobe isn't doing it necessarily to keep you warm. They're doing it to keep your clothes nice. <laughs> so here's your jacket. But um, that particular film day, it was, it was quite cold. It was a, a January or February in Vancouver and, you know, drizzly rain and, and stuff like that. And uh, so I, I had the poofy jacket, double wide trailer, Bill came in and we had a little jam session. He was learning how to play guitar. I got to <laughs> jam with William H. Macy. Uh, like just things like that. It was, and, and then to see the final product, you know, door to door is a story of uh, Bill Porter, who was a door to door salesman for the Watkins company. Um, and he had cerebral palsy and he was given like the worst sales territory. And he ended up becoming uh, their number one sales agent and, you know, and, and he would, he was one of the first people to adopt online sales. Like, he, wow. like just such, it's such a good story. 
that to be involved with that project, it was the most rewarding that I've ever done. Where do you see the future of your acting career? Because I see, I, I don't see you being done in any way, shape or form. No, I still, I still audition a lot. Um, I have, uh, it's funny that you mentioned it actually, uh, a friend of mine that I spoke with an acquaintance really, we're, um, that I, I spoke with in Houston, actually. Uh, I did a talk at uh, um, the Johnson Space Center and uh, a mission control. And I used to live right down there for a little while for work, actually, in Leak City. Yeah, oh, it's such right a cool by. place. It is. I love being in Houston. Um, cool. I'm actually going down in January. We have a, a big conference that's happening in Dallas. And I've made sure to a lot time so that I can get down to Houston. <laughs> and depending on how it works, I may actually bring Kenzie because she was, we didn't have her passport when I spoke at NASA the first time. And she loves astronauts. She loves space. And, uh, and so I had to bring her back a couple of souvenirs, but it wasn't the same as actually getting her there and getting her to see the space <laughs> shuttle and stuff like that. So um, I, 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 I'm going to try and work out getting her down there. But uh, anyway, this friend uh, that I'd spoke with just messaged me because another gr uh, couple uh, are producing their own television network and are looking for content providers. So I may, that may become a, a show unto itself. But yeah, where I see myself, I would, if I could have a magic wand and just make stuff happen, I actually don't want to be in front of the camera. I like being behind the camera. Yeah, producing. I see you producing, and I could see you also doing stuff with your daughter on social media in the future. Don't be surprised if there's not something you do there that helps her. I can see that just because she she loves YouTube. And you'll be able to creatively that. express yourself in a way that you haven't done before by producing stuff for her. And you have yeah. someone else help you with something. I don't know the production. Of yeah, it. no, I I, I agree. Um, and it would be uh, it would be yeah, it would be an absolute joy for me if I could uh, make that happen. But when, yeah, <laughs> I see when, as you say, yeah. so exactly. not a play when on I, word. When I make it happen. It'll be, yeah, it uh, will. It'll be a true joy. Although to be honest at that point, producing for my daughter would probably just be providing her the equipment and the funding. She, uh, she has the creative juice. She just, she just make it happen. What's your favorite thing about empowering others? When I can see the light bulb go off, there is, a magic when somebody who has struggled finally overcomes that that opposing force and realizes that it's possible i i mean i've had the pleasure to work with some of the greats in personal development um you know i've uh, been a volunteer uh with the company that brings tony robbins up to canada um, I'll be doing that actually, uh, he's coming to Calgary in, in November. I'll be helping out with that. And I mean, that's, that's, I know why he does that work, right? When you see a room of 7,000, 10,000, 20,000 people suddenly light up and connect the dots and realize that anything is possible, get through some of those roadblocks. Oh, that just, nothing feels more satisfying. You know, I remember the first time I made an audience laugh <laughs> that, you know, they, you're like, oh, I did that. I had the power. I had the power to bring somebody joy like that. And then to discover how to do that on a deeper 
more meaningful, more lasting level where it's not just a, a joke where they laugh at, but where they actually feel true peace within themselves. And, and just, you can, you can physically see the weight lift off of people, you know, from when they, when they first came into the room to when they leave, they walk different, they hold themselves different. And, and to know that you had a part in that is single-handedly the most rewarding thing. You know, it's why I love being a father because I get to see the growth in my daughter. And so to be able to do something similar with other people and show them a, a different way of thinking, a different path, oh, I get to, it's, it's, it's beyond words for how rewarding it is. For my show recently, I've been having the privilege to pod match as an amazing site to meet someone like yourself through this and other thought leaders and amazing, motivating people. And I find that the power to coach others is a hidden treasure that if you can tap into your power to coach others and empower others, I feel like you can really do a lot of good for yourself and the other person in that transaction. And I wanted to ask you about the power of coaching. What have you found from your own personal experiences with the power of coaching, being coached and coaching others? And how did that- well, It's funny that you asked that because you, sir, remind me very much of a good friend of mine, Jason Krause, who spells his name with a Y. <laughs> Um, but even your, your guys' mannerisms, your looks, and he is actually who got me into coaching, who, who uh, made me aware that this was even a career that you could do. He was the um, international director for CTI, Coaches Training Institute, for a while. I think they use it. I don't know if that's his exact title. It was something like that. But basically, he was the one who coordinated all the international training. Anything that took any of the training sessions that took place outside of the US, Jason had a handle in it. And he's since left CTI and started his own uh, business, Crockman Institute, and and he's phenomenal. But just to be able to to tap into his world and see it, and then do the training with him to go through and see what's possible. And one of the things that I love the most about coaching, particularly the training that I took, was the premise that we're not broken, right? That we love that as human beings are whole. And although we may have um, hit resistance in areas of our life, the beautiful thing is, is we all innately know how to overcome it. And most of coaching is just cluing people in to their potential and allowing them to resolve the issue on their own. And I think that is a, a beautiful thing. And I, I, I love being able to get the work. The funny thing is, is I've taken all this coaching training, but I would not <laughs> consider myself a coach. Are you serious? <laughs> yeah. No, I feel like everything, I you, everything you do, you lay out in certain steps and you think it's such a way that just hanging out with you for about 40 minutes right now, I'm learning a lot in steps and, and, and I'm being enriched. <laughs> and so, as well as our audiences. <laughs> but to me, that is um, mentorship. And uh, in some ways, that's consulting. And uh, to me, uh, coaching, and, and in its purest form, is a series of guided questions to allow your client to come up with determined answers themselves. Where what I do is I already, I already know the answers. <laughs> Because they're the same, 
over and over again, because people who come to work with me are working on a very specific issue, right? I'm not a generalist coach. I'm a specific consultant, particularly around public speaking and uh, to a lesser degree, health and safety when I, when I do get involved with my health and safety company, which I'm just a director of right now. And I have a team <laughs> that kind of takes care of it. And it's nice because it puts money in my bank account, but I don't do a lot with it, right? My focus right now is really the, the speaker training. But I, I have the system, right? As you said, I have it. It's out <laughs> step by step by step by step. Yes, I do a little bit of coaching uh, initially to help people overcome uh, mental blocks and uh, some barriers that they themselves have put in place. And I want to rapidly dispel those myths quickly because otherwise I can't get into the work that I need to do and take them through the steps. So the first step is break down the limiting beliefs and let's go to it. But I, I do it more from a consulting and mentorship perspective because I don't have the time. If somebody's going to give me you know, anywhere from 20 bucks for the book up to $12,000 for private coaching and anywhere in between there, particularly if they're in that five to $1,000 range and they're coming to my two and a half day or five day seminars and workshops, I don't have the time to waste. Like I can't, I can't wait for you to come up with this on your own. And so I have the step-by-step process. So the first bit is breaking down those, those mental blocks, but then once those limiting beliefs are destroyed, boom, we're into the content and we're getting you geared and going. So uh, it's not coaching in its truest form, which could take a while. Paradigm know, shifting, it sounds like too. Sounds like you're it, shifting people's par- you're shifting people's paradigms and, and helping them overcome self-limiting beliefs within themselves in order to get themselves to that next level. They should to upgrade to themselves and be well, and I better. Cause I charge a lot of money to do it. <laughs> <laughs> so if I can't deliver the goods, I'm a charlatan and I don't, I don't want to be a purveyor of snake oil ever in my yeah, life. Yeah. So I gotta, I gotta be able to do it and I gotta be able to do it in a quick fashion. And the nice thing is, is for the people who resonate with me, who, um, who really want to put in the work, they get the results and they get them fast because, you know, 35 years of being on stage, I better know a thing or two. <laughs> You know, and I've studied great. Like I, I never stopped studying. One of the reasons why I volunteer with the, the, in the capacities that I do is so that I have the ability to see great speakers. And the reason I go and on tour as much as I do and speak with other speakers is so that I can learn. Cause I'm always learning. I'm always learning from the good talks that I do and the talks that don't go the way that I want them to. And the good talks that I see other people do and the good talks that don't go the way that they wanted them to. (laughs) I am, I am a catalog right now of what works, what doesn't and why. And I think that's the other thing too. Like I have no problem telling somebody the why behind it. Like this doesn't work. This is why I feel it doesn't work. You can try it. (laughs) You can try it. I've seen this fail about 30 times but maybe you'll be the one. To <laughs> I, I have no problem with the AB test, but in my experience, I have seen this. So I'll never tell somebody no, but I will definitely give them a warning. Did they, have you ever had any of your students come back and say, you were right. I screwed up. You, I made a mistake. You told me to avoid and here I am. All the time. And it's unfortunately very satisfying to hear. <laughs> like you never want to be the person who gets to say, I told you so. And I, <laughs> I definitely do it with much more grace. But in the back of my head, I'm like, see, see, we just wasted three weeks. 
You didn't need to do that. You know, typically what it, uh, a lot of times people get really insistent on memorizing scripts. They're like, no, you don't understand, Tyler. You don't understand. I will feel more comfortable if I know everything I'm going to say. And I'm like, I know you think that to be true. The brains. Promise me it's not. Uh, and and uh, yeah, they, it, I, a lot of times people come back. I'll be like, try it your way. See how it goes. And then we'll try it my way. We'll see which one you feel more comfortable doing. And I'll let you do your way first since you feel that that is a comfort thing. And I, I'm, I've been right a lot and I don't mind it. Let me ask but you it's also, you know, I've been wrong too. Like I make no mistake when I'm wrong, I I'm wrong. And I will be the first to admit it. I'm usually wrong. My wife likes to point out when I'm wrong because she's usually right. And, uh, and I don't mind it. It's humbling. And again, it's a learning experience. I love to learn because if I'm, Every time I'm wrong, it gives me an opportunity to improve uh, what I'm teaching, what I'm coaching, what I'm presenting um, in all areas of life, too. Like, I bring in all aspects. A lot of people think that when I'm tackling public speaking, I'm, I'm doing the technicalities of, of, of being up on stage and performing and projecting your voice and, you know, embodying your, your message. And, and a lot of that, yeah, we'll cover that, but a lot of a lot of it is on the fly, like, who are you? And really analyzing, well, what is your message? And if that's your message, who are you? And are you physically congruent with the emotional impact and with the uh, mental impact? And like, how are, how are you delivering? Because every one person, everybody is different. Like even people who deliver the same message content-wise, do it in drastically different ways from a delivery perspective. And you, we each have our own unique styles. And We're all styles. snowflakes in a way. We have our own signatures. We have our own distinct attributes that are our talents. And Oh, yeah. I mean, I, again, I've been, in, I've been um, aware of self-development since I was 17 years old. I was introduced to it by a great mentor of mine, Bob Corbett, who first introduced me to Dr. John Demartini who then, you know, I got into uh, Zig Ziglar and then from Zig over to Tony Robbins and Darren Hardy. Like, you know, I've, I've studied a lot of these, these guys and studied with a lot of these guys. Um, and so when I started to be actually involved with a lot of these larger productions and events, I'd get my wife to come. <laughs> and the first one was uh, uh, one, uh, uh, an acquaintance of mine, Aaron Sky Kelly puts on called Transformation Weekend. And it's basically Transformation Weekend is Date with Destiny um, distilled down to its, its primal essence, right? So everything that Tony would take you through in Date with Destiny, you get, but in a real compact, real easy to digest way. I love what Aaron does with it. So I brought my wife to it. I'm like, oh, you got to go to Transformation Weekend. And she was like, yeah, it was all right. There was a lot of crying, but yeah, it was okay. I'm like, it's okay. It's life changing. She's like, she wasn't and then i was like okay well if you didn't get that you got to go see tony you got to go see tony so when tony came to calgary and i was involved i was able to get her a ticket not only was i able to get her a ticket i was able to get her a ticket right in the front row so you got tony sweat and spit on you it was great and she was like i mean yeah it was okay i mean i get it yeah rah rah but I, I don't know it's whatever i was like it's whatever it's tony robbins how can you be whatever and then nurka came out and Nurko, Nurka uh, has a, a, she takes it from a hypnosis perspective and, you know, um, um, brainwave 
still the same content that Tony would talk about, the same stuff that Aaron would talk about, the same stuff that Zig would talk about, or Darren Hardy, or you know, uh, T.R. Vecker, you name it. They're all saying the same general thing, and just in their own way. Nurka comes out, takes the stage, and Jen's like, oh, did you know that thoughts become things? I'm like, uh-huh. She's like, did you know that the internal programming that I say in my head has an external e- effect on everything that I do outside? I'm like, uh-huh. <laughs> She's like, Nurka's a genius. I'm going to go to this seminar. I'm going to go to this seminar. Go resonated with her. Because she resonated with her. Right. So, yeah, we're all snowflakes uh, with our messaging. And I think it's hilarious the way that, you know, one person's met, it could be the exact same delivery. It's all about delivery, right? But it's all about the delivery and connecting with your audience. I I got those from your, from your, from your method, (laughs) Uh, connecting with the audience, having a delivery. I'm not an entertainer. I don't consider myself an entertainer. But the funniest thing is when I, I got hired to do a wedding in October as a psychic for a reception. And I, I laugh about it because I'm like, yeah, I'll just be me at this event talking to people, reading people. Yeah, I'm called an entertainer. And I never think of myself that way. But it's funny because ta- using your stuff, it, it can help me connect to people. But I mean, I just do what I do. But I'm saying like, for someone who's, who doesn't even think of themselves as an entertainer, I still think your advice is very valuable and has a well, lot and of so, Again, th- let's do some coaching around that, Jason. Um, do you... Is there a hang up with the word entertainer for you? Not at all. I'm, I'm, I'm embracing it. I mean, I had a premonition that years ago I'd have my own show someday. I don't know if it's this show or something else. That's why I call myself. My name is from a premonition. dream. So yeah. I'm all about it. I just haven't had any experience with it, like other than doing my podcast. Because or... like for me, like I never, I've never identified with the term actor. Like I don't, I don't act, I perform. Yeah. So I'm a performer, right? And, and then that allows me to encompass all areas of performance. Instead Your creativity just, just flows. <laughs> exactly. And so like for you, I, I would say, you know, are you, are you a performer and an entertainer? You know, and I think I, I can't wait to see how that gig goes. Cause that'll be a fun wedding. I think yeah. that's a fantastic thing to be hired to do. And you know, was, the, the key is just to be yourself. That's all it is. And that's, and that's with this, when we do these interviews, it's just be yourself on, even in our show, you know, having our opportunity to have a conversation, we're taping it. We have some structure to it. We're asking questions about things, but, and the content flows because we both have that natural connection to be able to talk about these concepts and have the passion and understanding of it for our audience. So it's not even like, it's that complicated to have a conversation on some, some great topics with amazing, you know, content and, and information. And, and just literally, it's just like, rolls off our tongue while we talk, you know, because of life experience and tuning in. And, and here's one thing I want to ask you. Do you believe you have intuition within yourself? Because I think to do the stuff you do, you have to have some strong intuition. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't put it on quite the level that, that you do, but I am uh, very empathic. consciously aware. Of, Are you empathic? Uh, yeah. I think you have to be to connect with your audience the way you do when you present. I, yeah. You so, and, and I, again, I know some really good empathic types. Um, I can definitely read emotion. I can feel, I like, you can feel energies and, and, and anybody can, like, you don't have to feel that you're empathic or psychic or, or, you know, any kind of uh, sixth sense. Um, we have that as just part of our regular senses. And I always equate it to the fact that, you know, like when I go into, uh, when I'm, when I'm going to be presenting a talk, I try to get to a venue real early, whether it's the day before when we're setting up or, uh, if I can't do it, then 
I try to get in long before the doors ever open so that I can actually go and breathe my energy into a, into a space, into a room to positively charge that. And everybody, a lot of people who see me do it, they laugh. They're like, why? Why do you believe that? And I'm like, because have you ever walked into a room and known that people were fighting? You couldn't hear the fight. It's you still didn't the know energy. the fight, right? You, you just, you walked in and you're like, ooh, the hair's on the back. <laughs> Stand up and you're like, that's a funky feel around here, <laughs> right? You just know that to be the case. And because I know that energies travel, and the, whether you know, you're an Eastern philosophy person or a Western philosophy person, religious or non-religious, um, if you want to check just heart math, look heart math. The science behind heart math will show the electromagnetic resonance that comes off of your heart is amplified when your heart and your mind are in alignment. And they've done tons and tons and tons and tons of studies on this. There's a, it's a fascinating science. One of my personal beliefs is that eventually science will get to a point where it evolves to an understanding where we actually prove religion. I love that. That's, I believe the same. I think there's going to be some type of advance in technology where we'll be able to see what is energy and spirit and all that. Yeah, I think there's going to be an intersection of science and religion at some point. Um, I think it's, it's unfortunately divisive right now unnecessarily um, because the two sides don't really want to come together. And I don't know why. Because I think they're, I think they're, they're both two sides of the human equation searching for answers. And I think both have their benefits. And eventually, I think there's going to be a convergence in it. But I, heart math is one of those first studies where I've like, see Eastern philosophies and chakras and woo-woo for <laughs> being proved through this science and this study. And so gut reaction, you know, your gut and your heart have neurons, your stomach and your heart have neurons the same way that you have in your head. The difference is, is your heart and your stomach don't have the ability to um, consciously process the impulses coming from the neurons. It's all on a subconscious level and an unconscious level. And so you don't get the interference of your own brainwave going, no, 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 that can't be the way. And so I definitely rely on my heart and my stomach more than my brain. Uh, a lot of times when I'm working with my clients and they're having a hard time or I'm having a hard time making a decision, I flip a coin. And I'm like, okay, heads, this answer, tails, this answer. And then I'll flip the coin, but I won't let them see if it landed on heads or tails. I say, what did you hope for? Because at the moment I do the thumb flick to get this coin spinning in your heart, instantaneously you went, Oh, I hope it's that. Yes. Whatever that, Oh, I hope it's that is probably the thing that you really should be chasing after. Right. So why did you, and let's explore that. Is that, that impulse serving you or hindering you? Because that's the other thing. It's not necessarily right, but it's definitely your instinct. So what's the instinct? Are you driving to protection? Or are you try driving to expansion? What are where are you at within that? And it's it's a fun exercise to do. I love doing it. My clients get tired of when I pull out the coin. <laughs> What's been? I know we're running low on time. What's been the most fascinating thing you've been involved in, in last year that you'd like to share with our audience that you haven't talked about publicly before this show? Honestly, the musical that I'm helping workshop 
the uh, I, I work with this phenomenal composer and uh, and writer, Marin Ord, Marin Burnham, married now, but professionally Marin Ord. And um, she she wrote this musical that I was lucky to be involved in. I, I don't even know how I ended up finding out about it. And uh, it was called Feather Pen Fairy Tales. And so I got to do that performance and we did it. And right as soon as that show wrapped, she basically spent a week and wrote this new one called The Gardener. And then COVID had shut it down. So she wasn't able to workshop the way that she wanted to. And now we're just finally able to actually get into a room and sing together and explore the script. I've been involved with it virtually. Um, we've done probably five or six workshops over the last year. But again, from a producer hat, like I'm, I'm going to help executive produce this show. And my hope for that is to see it on Broadway. I don't care what my involvement is with the Broadway production. If I only ever get the regional, that's I'll be happy. But this show needs to see Broadway. It is one of the most emotionally compelling, spiritually uplifting, hauntingly beautiful productions I have ever seen. And this is coming from a man who performed in Ragtime. I love that musical. And I think this is better than Ragtime. Wow. It's, it's phenomenal. That's amazing for you to describe it as such. And I'm excited to see it make it there. And I'll say this to you. I think your strength is going to actually be more in production than it's been in acting. I think you are right about being behind the camera. I think your daughter is going to be not a guinea pig for you, but she's going to be a project for you to develop your producing ability, production abilities. And I think that's going to show you the path to do other things. So I wouldn't be surprised if you are staying behind the camera and, and you know, instead of in front, but behind. She'll be more in front. You'll be behind. That's a team I see. But I also see you doing these side projects as well. So it'll be, and you'll still do this other stuff, but you're going to outsource some stuff. You're not going to be oh, involved yeah. in the minutia of things that you're involved in right now, Matt, you know, managing things. You're going to outsource certain things. I, I do as I stand right now, I outsource a lot of my stuff. It's the, the beautiful thing about the way that my life is structured. When I get to a point where I don't like doing a thing anymore, <laughs> if it still makes financial sense to have that ball going, I just outsource it. If it doesn't make financial sense, I just drop it. Um, but yeah, no, I have a, an amazing team of employees and VAs and, um, and volunteers that do just amazing work behind the scenes for me so that I can show up the best version of me. And, uh, and yeah, I, I can't thank that team enough daily, hourly, minutely. A day doesn't go by where they're not doing something spectacular to, to help propel me forward. And it's just growing. So yeah, I would love to have a, a larger team that's working in the background to, to keep the, I see it. the empire I see it. going. 2022 is growing for you and it's going to go beyond there for you. So you're, you're just, whatever you have as a lapse right now, enjoy it with your daughter. It's not really a lapse at all, but when you go forward and the year turns to 2022, just know it's going to be very busy. I, uh, I like reading for people when I interview them. It's something I started doing that not that long ago, actually, but it's something I get to do because it's I pick up the energy anyway. So why not share it if the person's open to it, especially? I want to thank you for coming on the show today. I can't believe we're going to have an hour how fast that goes. Uh, tell our audience where they can find you again. I, I'm going to have your information in my show notes, but just in case there's anything else you want to direct them to, I want to make sure. Yeah, no, best place for them to go is uh, seantylerfoley.com. Sean is spelled the proper Irish way, S-E-A-N-T-Y-L-E-R-F-O-L-E-Y.com. And uh, they can get the method there. They can connect with all my social medias there. They can do just about anything that they want there. 
Um, the one thing that they can't do right now uh, specifically is pre-order the book. Um, and the reason for that is for book pre-orders, what I would love for your audience to do. If they're interested in my book or anybody else's book, I don't care what book you're going to order. If you're thinking to yourself, ooh, I should get a copy of that. What I would like you to do is go to bookshop.org. Bookshop.org is an online shopping space. It just doesn't happen to be owned by Jeff Bezos, who has plenty of money, enough for him to go to space. <laughs> uh, so we don't need to give Jeff any more of our hard-earned dollars. He's made enough. <laughs> but bookshop.org connects you with your local book retailer, but allows you to still order books online, get them delivered directly to your house. It just won't come in a drone. Okay. And uh, what it does is it, it, you know, it's keeping those brick and mortar mom and pop shops alive. So whether it's the power to speak naked or any other title that you're looking for, if you're an avid reader or even just a casual reader and you're thinking you're going to pick up a book, go to bookshop.org and I'll let you in on a secret. It's actually cheaper to order my book there than anywhere else. So you could go to Jeff's site, you get it there. You go to Barnes and Noble, you get it there, but you're going to pay the full cover price. But if you go to bookshop.org, it's about a dollar cheaper. So save money, support mom and pop, still have the convenience of shopping online. If I was to pick a book, I wouldn't go anywhere else other than bookshop.org. And if anybody wants any other information on me, seantylerfoley.com. And that's my plug. <laughs> Thank you so much, Sean. I appreciate you coming on the show today, sharing such great insight and such important information, yet being able to share your vulnerabilities and being able to do so in such a way that I really do think our audience is going to relate to this episode and understand your message of empowerment and just coaching and the power of being able to look at the world and not as a threat, but as a challenge that you can overcome and make your own. That's what I get from your energy is that you are a master at helping people decode, decipher, uh, simplify things. We're, well, we're there's an abundance in the world. There's so much opportunity that's available to us if we just take a look around. And uh, if I can have one small part in encouraging people to improve themselves, even just incrementally, that's uh, that that will bring meaning to my life. So, I just want to thank Sean Tyler Foley for coming on the show today. Uh, it's a pleasure having Tyler on the show to discuss his background, his experience, his acting career, his future. Uh, I believe he's going to be. You'll see a lot from him with production in the future. Uh, his new book, "The Power to Speak Naked." Check this stuff out. Check out the method. You'll find it not only will you learn some very use, useful and valuable information, but you're going to be entertained. And when you're entertained, you'll remember really easily the inf information and concepts you're going to learn. And I think you're going to really, I, I'm excited about ordering the power to speak naked. Order it from bookshop.org. Uh, support local retailers. We need to do that. You know, with the, the pandemic and everything that's happened, we need to pull together, support one another, promote one another. That's how we need to do things. So check this stuff out. Uh, thank you so much for tuning into this episode. Stay positive. But when you're positive, anything's possible. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Social Psychic Radio Show. Don't forget to join us for another episode next time. If you enjoyed the show, we'd love for you to subscribe, rate, and give us a review on iTunes. You can also check us out on Facebook. And don't forget to visit the Social Psychic YouTube channel. Until next time, it's a big world out there. Keep an open mind, embrace your paradigms, and know that the universe is always yours to explore.
at Baker's. No matter where you order free pickup, you get the same great deals as you'd get in store. So you can save when you order during band practice or at the dog park or wherever. Start your cart with the Baker's app and save from wherever today. Baker's, fresh for everyone. $35 order minimum restrictions may apply. Subject to availability. Get more ways to save at the buy five or more, save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Hi, I'm Mark. And I'm Peter. We're the founders of Electrocast Media, bringing you great podcasts like Nightmare Road Stories, Tech Talk Revolution, and Bodacious Minds. Electrocast Networks include Ruby for female empowerment, the best business network, and GPN for geopolitics. We built this company to create community and amplify diverse voices, and we really appreciate your support. So, keep listening to Electrocast Podcasts and hear the culture. Hey there, I'm DC. I host the Rock Podcast, Back to the Arena, The Interviews. It's about a 30-minute podcast where I talk one-on-one with a band who has released new music. You can find us on all the best podcast sites like Spotify, Apple, Google, iHeartRadio, and more. If you're a rock fan like me, subscribe today to Back to the Arena, The Interviews. Electric acid. Electric acid.